You are listening to episode 65 of Exit the Drinking Life podcast. Today, I'm sharing with you another exit story. Stay tuned. Welcome to Exit the Drinking Life podcast. I am thrilled that you're here. I'm your host, Debbie Talbert. I am here to teach you how to change what you're drinking without shaming, blaming, and judging yourself for your choices so that you can create a life beyond your wildest dreams. Let's get started. All right. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast episode. I'm so excited because I do have a guest with us today. And in this season, season two of Exit the Drinking Life, we are going to be bringing in more guests and sharing more exit stories because I really want you guys to understand and start to to wrap your heads around the idea that it is possible for you too to exit that I want you to really hear the stories, uncover different scenarios and situation and what's been happening, what was happening in someone else's life that may sound similar to your life and give you that hope and that possibility and that insight too, that it is possible for you to change what you have going on between yourself and alcohol right now and to make it different. So today I have an awesome guest with us today. Her name is Lorna and we actually met each other in uh, 2019 at coach certification training through This Naked Mind. And that's how we came across each other. And so I wanted to bring her on today and let her share her story. So before I get started on hearing the story part, I'd like Lorna to introduce herself a little bit so she can tell you who she is and why she chose to do the same kind of things that I'm doing. And then we will go a little bit, go into her story, kind of get the back story part of it, what her experience was like, and what actually happened different, and what she feels is different about the methodology in which we teach people and how to change what they're doing around alcohol and exiting the drinking life. So, Lorna, go ahead and tell people a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Debbie. It's just really an awesome opportunity to be here on your podcast. I'm excited to spend some time with you and have a chat this morning. Uh, Debbie was telling me that, that I might hear a rooster in the background, and hopefully that's not going <laughs> to happen, but I uh, thought that was pretty pretty funny. Um, so I uh, am a, a certified life coach. I was trained in 2016 uh, through Coaches Training Institute and loved the work, absolutely loved the work. And in, as Deb said, in t- 2019, when I had um, been through some of the programs with This Naked Mind, I understood that they were going to start a coaching program. And I thought I just really needed to embrace that because I felt that it was uh, coaching is definitely uh, something that I enjoy. It's my calling. And it had made such a difference for me. So that's just a little bit of, uh, of my background. And currently, I have a, a full-time coaching practice. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So let's get a little bit into the story about what was happening for you to have you decide to question your drinking. So what was going on before you were able to make the change that you're currently living the way you're living now? So we can oh, get a little bit sure. of the background on that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, you know, I'm I'm currently I'm I'm 65 years old, and probably in the, about the last. Well, I, I'll I'll start by saying that you know I I I grew up in a really happy home and um, 
we we live in Western Canada, and my parents were, you know, heavy heavier drinkers in their 40s and 50s, and you know, definitely could see, particularly with my my dad, some of the things that started to happen with him with job loss and that sort of thing. So alcohol definitely was playing a significant role in in his world and in his life. For me, though, uh, I, you know, I had a, again, normal teenage upbringing, that sort of thing. My, my drinking, when it started, I started to really start to think about it and realize that this just is not working for me was was later in life. It was more into my 50s that I started to feel um, that I I was losing some control of it. And I just I just didn't know what it was that I wanted to do and how I was going to get some of the answers that I that I needed. And it just was a matter of, you know, finally coming to the understanding about the toxicity of, of alcohol what it was doing to my body. I was in a really, um, uh, you know, a a job that was that was a lot of stress. It was pretty high profile within our community. So, you know, I was I was known in the community, I would be on different media at different times. And uh, all of that was playing into the anxiety that I was feeling. So to go home at five o'clock at night and have, you know, have a glass of wine and just finally settle down was really, um, you know, it was, it was, it became more of a habit. Suddenly it wasn't just one night a week it was happening, then it was three nights a week and it wasn't two, one glass of wine, it was four glasses of wine, that kind of thing. And just the accumulation over time uh, started to make me really, um, not well, <laughs> certainly not feeling on top of my game, but I knew that I, I didn't, I wasn't identifying as alcoholic. I was, you know, I, my dad had done some time, some, some, um, not time, but he had, had been in AA for a little while during his life. Um, I had been in Al-Anon uh, earlier in my life because of my dad, but I just, sitting around those tables and talking about alcohol in in that way was just not something that I could see myself doing. So I started to search and yeah, I think, I think that's kind of where it sort of all began. Okay. So on your now, but prior to the searching, had you actually done anything for yourself to try to reduce how much you were drinking? Did you, did you try, did you, did you set rules and do anything like that? Like, absolutely. Are you kidding? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that. So yeah, the, you know, the, um, oh, I'm only going to have one glass of wine tonight, or I'm going to only have two glasses of wine tonight, or I'm only going to drink on the weekend. Uh, did that for a while. Um, you know, do different diet stints where, you know, 30 days of no alcohol because, but it really was more about the diet than anything else. Just lots of trying these little rules only to, you know, break them by five o'clock at night. The moment any kind of stress would, or what I can say, it, it was either happy stress, like, you know, I'm celebrating something, it's Tuesday, <laughs> or, or... <laughs> Or it's it Tuesday was, and work is over. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, this, this person annoyed me or this particular thing happened or I'm happy about something. I, it just didn't seem, it just always was this draw that it was, you know, I'd get in my chair, I'd have my glass of wine and that was the, it was like, okay, that's a turning point. Right. And, and, and so it was, it was, it became that, that thing of accumulating, but I tried lots of different things for a very, very long time, um, all on my own. Uh, and, and I, and I kept thinking that, you know, okay, well, what's going on with my body and how am I feeling? And I used to have absolutely the, the worst hangovers ever, even with just a few glasses of wine. And, you know, I, I'd worry about what's going on in my brain and, and how come you just can't, how come you just can't stop? Like, what is it about you? How come you're so broken? So, yeah. So then you definitely. ended up like the rules you set for yourself and then it's not working out. And then you end up like shaming and blaming and judging yourself for being unable to make the yeah. change that you wanted to make. Oh, the shame is, that- is huge. Oh, absolutely huge. Okay. And, you know, in the early days of, uh, you know, of, I mean, it, I went on like this for, for quite a long time, but, but also, you know, in my, in my work, I was always very together and, um, you know, good at what I was doing. And, you know, there was no problems that were showing on the outside, but on the inside, you know, I would be first thing in the morning, I'd be, I'd have a headache or I'd be not feeling that great and thinking, oh man, you know, okay, if I'm noticing this, what is everybody else noticing? That kind of thing. And it was, it was just, a, it just became a really terrible place to be. And later on, you know, becoming a life coach, then <laughs> talk about, you know, yeah, yeah, this, this is a bit of cognitive dissonance to say the least. But again, you know, in that realm and the t- teaching that I'd had or the training rather that I'd had, I was good at what I was doing. I absolutely was and very genuine about what I was doing. But inside and in my heart, I was not. I, 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 was, I, was, I was feeling so conflicted and just could not figure this out. Couldn't figure it out. Yeah, and I think that that your story is very, very common in mm-hmm. and I'm sure you found the same thing, too, as you're coaching people more and more. It's very yeah. common and we start to have this shaming and blaming and judging ourselves for what's actually taking place. And, uh, and then as you're doing the learning the life coaching skills and learning about the cognitive dissonance, and then you're kind of then that brings in even more conflict. And then when we're in, like, um, Brene Brown talked a lot about when we're in that shameful state and we're really feeling that internal shame about ourselves, we're literally actually blocking ourselves from actually finding even the possibility of a different solution. Oh, for and, sure. And so yeah. it's, it's really blocking our own ability and our own, you know, and our brain's ability to figure all of this out. And another thing, what I also find so fascinating is that even though 
like we live in different parts of the world. You live in Canada and I live in the United States and I live actually where it's warm most of the time and you live where it's cold most of the time. But yet we both, and you did have some exposure to um, the AA's philosophies and that, those philosophies, but yet, and I had a couple of meeting exposures to it also myself, but yet I didn't have that much exposure, but yet I had this deep inner feeling that it, that, that type of philosophy wasn't going to work for me either because I always felt more shameful in it because of just like just more shameful in kind of how I felt about what was being said and what I'd heard just the two times I went but then the more I've researched and done research about the brain our brains are actually always listening and so what I just and so I was like how is it that I really felt this deep like knowing even though I've been to two meetings how can you know with this deep knowing only attending something two times right and so as i started doing more research i'm like how is it that i just had this deep knowing and so learning how our brain's always listening and then realizing so one, one day i decided after seeing a social media post like i'm gonna search how many movies because our brains listen from stories too so i'm like okay let me see how many movies actually talk about aa and then how many movies or TV shows? And I found like uh, over a hundred of them. And a lot of them I had seen. And so then I'm like, okay, maybe that is how my brain got this in. It's because of the stories and how it's listening to the stories, picking up on the, the environment, the nuances and how they're portraying the story, right? Because that story, movies are stories and TVs are stories, right? And so the brain is really absorbing it. And so the brain is really resisting this, like, well, if I choose to do this, then forever my life is going to be so miserable. So why would I say yes to something that's going to be so miserable too? Like I, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I, I yeah, there's, there's lots about, um, you know, going down the, the path of AA, like my, I mentioned that my dad had been an AA and it really did help him. It, it, you know, it, he didn't, he didn't stay for years and years and years and he ended up being alcohol free for most of his life. I think had he have, uh, you know, look, known the brain science and some of the things that, that we're familiar with now, it might've been a bit of a different path for him, but um yeah, just the, I didn't want to feel diseased and broken. And I, I had the very much the us and them, like, I, you know, I'm different. I'm not like that kind of thing. And, you know, for me, the searching was more about, I wanted to understand the science of it. I felt that if I could really get it through my head, that this was really harming me (laughs) that that would be the key you know that's going to be the key for for um figuring things out you know I didn't want to get some major diagnosis or anything um even though I knew that if I had gotten one that would really stop it for sure it was more but when I discovered the you know the the opportunity to change neuropathways in your brain and and how um, 
just that whole cognitive dissonance side of things. That's what really got me. And Debbie, the thing that got me the most, my, my father was um, a sales rep for an oil company and his job was to drive from gas station to gas station when we were little kids uh, in the prairies and make sure that every uh, gas station had all of their supplies, right? They're, you know, and so our summers were really exciting and we drive, that's what we would do. And I can remember the smell of, of, of gasoline, right? I, I mean, obviously when you fill up your car, you can smell gasoline, but it, it was really a thing. And yeah, the day that I read that ethan that alcohol is ethanol and that we only you know when you look at your glass of red wine it really is truly at its core core and at its base it's ethanol and that we just dress it up so that we can actually consume it that was one of the turning points for me i i suddenly went it was it was that i went back to being a kid i could smell the gasoline so strongly and I thought that's what you're doing every time you do this this is what you're doing and then the second thing for me was then looking at the marketing of it and watching like we live where I live we're in a wine region we call it Napa North you know and um, <laughs> it's surrounding my house right now there's 50 60 wineries and so you know the marketing and uh, it's absolutely everywhere and you know the day that I, I went grocery shopping and and you know the advertising on the shopping cart was a you know a flap where you'd put your child down and there's a bottle of wine that says and don't forget this today and I'm thinking oh my goodness this is what it is you know this is what's going on and that is really what got me down the path so strongly in figuring out, okay, what is this? Um, what is this substance? And what is it? What's the truth behind it? And, yeah, okay. you know, I, yeah, yeah. Well, what I'm hearing though, is you had this switch of taking it off of what is wrong with me? Yes. And putting absolutely. it on to what is this that I'm consuming? Right. So you Absolutely. and I talk a lot here around exit, like the exit is first explore, experiment and examine. Right. And so it's really all about becoming your own scientist and your own like yeah. researcher and detective. Right. And yeah. and so yeah. and so so the second you let it go of being something about me, Lorna. Yeah. And yeah. OK, let's find out what this actually is. And then after I know what this actually is, I'm going to decide, am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? Yeah. But yet it has nothing exactly. to do with me as a person. And exactly. that's where I, I think yeah. the big switch comes. It, it, and it did. It did. It, and it, you know, it wasn't immediate. I mean, I, I had to go through months of, you know, some reading and um, all of, you know, all of the things that, that, you know, we, we did within certainly looking at Annie's book and this naked mind and that sort of thing. I did lots of reading, but that was, it was, it was a relief also to think, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not broken. I, I'm, it's, it isn't some big flaw that I've got, you know, inside of my, my, my character. It is, it, you know, it is, it's the substance. And then 
then I sort of got mad. <laughs> I'm thinking, all right, this isn't right. <laughs> you know, like, right, um, yeah. you know, that, that, that switch where you sit back and you think, okay, now I'm a bit ticked about more than a bit ticked that that this is the way it is and particularly you know today when I when I look at the um, you know young women and the target the the marketing being targeted towards young women um, I I just yeah that just it I think it's heartbreaking I really do and it just drives me all that much more you know, I'll back up and say that when I started, again, you know, discovering about ethanol and about all of these things, I still was of the place in, in the place of, um, well, maybe I'll moderate, you know, I mean, maybe I'm going to moderate. And I started off down that, that path, but it wasn't long into it that my, my mind shifted in such a way that I, A, no longer was thinking about it anymore, which that in itself was just a complete miracle. And um, and there was just no desire, absolutely no desire. I didn't have no desire to, to drink anything. And, you know, my husband and I had been quite the wine connoisseurs, so we thought, you know, for quite a long time. And to suddenly just absolutely not have any desire for it whatsoever that was huge so yeah Yeah, and I think that's quite fascinating because I think it's part of too because as you were sharing part of your story about when you would because the way you described it is you would see the chair and it would be the chair and then you would have your wine and so that is also how the brain is always listening, right? And so the brain, but it's not just listening from like our ears, like what we think of listening. It's really listening from all five of our senses. So just like when you learn through the science that alcohol is actually ethanol, then your brain went right back to your childhood stories. And you said from the smell, right? And so the smell smell came in of the gasoline and especially because we're around the same age, right? And so when you were younger, that smell was way small, stronger and the way, however things were done than it actually is even now, right? And so that was a very strong smell and realizing, oh, ethanol is what I put in the car and the kids in the story. And then the other part of your brain, the environment of when your brain, so the habit part of it was that when your brain saw your chair, noticed the chair, realize, oh, okay, we are in the house, we see that chair, uh, the next thing that your brain is aware of is, okay, now the wine is going to get open, the glass is going to get open there, and all of this is going to start to happen, and so that is also a part of what's driving the desire, and so that in that environment is what also makes the urge stronger, Mm -hmm. so it's really Mm how, it's like, and so what I love about um, the way that we're helping people exit the drinking life like in that cycle is by encouraging them to let go of blaming themselves and moving away from the shame area and igniting their own curiosity and interest and finding out like okay what are my beliefs what about like what my life would be like without it what my life is like with it and what do I believe it's doing for me in the moment when I'm having it like like your belief was it would help you de-stress from your day at work at that moment, mm-hmm. like when it was very active. And then also yeah. then uncovering the science 
behind what's actually mm -hmm. in this that you are actually saying yes to to putting in your body right and so then mm -hmm. all of that combined yeah. together is what allows you to lose let go of that desire and loosen up that and shift out of the habit right because then it Absolutely. also brings in like what you talked about retraining the brain and the cognitive dissonance so then you had even though you were doing the research and stuff you still needed to bring yourself to the experience of okay when your brain sees that chair then you needed to retrain it okay just because we see that chair does not mean this is now what's going to happen <laughs> like right big like <laughs> oh big time yeah and there was lots of things like that you know uh the the chair for sure and i can remember you know at the at the beginning um you know, coming home after work and, and pouring myself something different to drink and to get yeah. in the chair and then just realizing it was, it was the chair, it was the relaxation. It was those moments of just, you know, the, you know, the big pause at the end of the day, it had nothing to do with the alcohol at all. And, um, you know, that, that, uh, that's what I needed was just that relaxation and to shift that. And over the course of, um, you know, the following year of, of just of not drinking and becoming alcohol free, the recognition every time that, you know, we'd go to a friend's place or I wouldn't drink, it was, it, it was just always this in a moment inside me, think, me thinking, oh, I didn't need that. Isn't that awesome? You know, and feeling so empowered with the not drinking and just always that curiosity of, of, you know, yeah, my, my mom's just been, been diagnosed and she's terminal. I don't need to drink. You know, I want to be present and going through that and having her pass away. And so all of the little everything always with me has been about the curiosity of it and looking at it and going, wow, like this is just amazing, you know? And like I say today to have it not just so not part of anything that I, that I think about anymore makes me realize that, you know, my brain has changed the way I do things has changed and I'm driven much more driven now to, you know, to really want to help other people get to this place too, where they're not buying into all of the, the you know, the marketing and the thinking that this, we have to have this. We do not have to have this. We don't. Right. So. Yeah. And the yeah. thinking that if we choose to be the one not having it, that our life will actually be miserable. And so yeah. it's kind of fascinating, but I think again, it goes back to, those the visuals and the stories and how movies portray people that don't drink right that they seem to be miserable oh yeah and then or yeah. even television shows that they actually seem to be miserable right and so i think that's oh, part yeah. of what's coming in too and you don't quite realize how much of that is coming into your brain unconsciously and yeah. part of that is what's making the, the, like making it a struggle to say no when you really truly want to say no. Oh, for sure. That's I mean, my, what, yeah. yeah, and one of my, my things too, Debbie, was, um, I, I mean, I had this, this terrible worry that I was gonna lose my friends. I was gonna lose some, some friends that I've had for years. 
you know, because we always, we just, we just had a pattern. I mean, you, we did dinner parties and we all drank and we, you know, we've got, you know, party stories and all of that. And I, I thought you're going to be different. You're going to be, you know, you're not going to be fun and they're going to frown on you and you're going to, you're going to lose these friends. You've got to be prepared. You're going to lose these friends. Well, none of that happened. Absolutely. None of that happened. Right. And, and I, um, we tell ourselves, yeah. Oh, I had that one. Absolutely. I had that tattooed in my brain, you know, and, um, and it, and it, thankfully it didn't happen. And now it's just not a, it's just not a sub subject that comes up. If anything, what has happened, which is kind of neat is that I've had, people come up to me quietly and saying okay how'd you do that <laughs> you know because they're thinking they're thinking and particularly because we're in our 60s right it's they're thinking right. yeah oh well I'm at an age where I can't do this I possibly you know I can't like my life is just built around you know all of these structures and all of these events and all of this is just the way we do things well you can do things differently you absolutely can and you don't you need to lose friends and and all of that it's it's uh you know it's highly possible and and that was that was big for me because I'm a very you know I'm I have I'm lucky I've got lots of people around me I'm I love relationships I love people I, I love the work that I do and losing anyone was just you know a big fear and never happened which is great so, right know. but it isn't that fascinating though how now you can see on the other side right but how that fear also kept you doing something that you knew you didn't want to keep doing longer because that fear was so big within you that i was so yeah right and that's another way the brain works is like no it's safer right Mm -hmm. to stay doing this because if we don't, then we're going to lose these friends. Yeah, and we want exactly. that connection. Like part of us as humans, we want that connection, right? And so yeah. it's a big part of that story that we tell ourselves and believing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this story without even checking it out. You didn't even, did you, let me ask you, I'm just going to, was going to assume. So let me just, but did you even try attending an event without drinking just to see what would happen before you started this whole, like the education part and the process, like during any of the times, where did you even attempt to see what would actually happen? You know, I think the last time that I'd actually really, you know, attempted to not drink was when I was pregnant. <laughs> so <laughs> that was like, and that's now 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah, that was 40 years, right? You know, yeah, no, I, 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 I had, I mean, I certainly had attended events where, you know, I'd had one glass of wine. And in the work that I did, lots of times you'd be at big, events and if you were kind of you know working I I wouldn't necessarily drink but it wasn't kind of a conscious you know I wasn't consciously doing that I think for me it was the it was the it was the the middle of the night it was being with myself in the middle of the night and feeling so physically awful like just so physically and then not talking about it with anybody not sharing that with anyone and because I didn't want I, I, I didn't want anyone knowing, you know, just how <laughs> not unwell I was feeling at the end of the day. 
And, you know, I've since discovered in the last number of years, well, it's been, it'll be like two years of completely not having any alcohol at all. Um, there's a lot of people that feel that way in the middle of the night. A lot of people that don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's, yes. it's getting getting the message out to them, right? Right. And that's the same thing that I found is because yeah. mine, I'm, I'm, I'm in my fifth year. Like almost just September, I will have completed five years. But yeah. what I found too was the same thing like you did. Like I didn't, because mine, I was a um, flight attendant, right? And that's very much a part of our world. Like that's how we decompress at the end of the trip. We're over in Europe. It's like, oh, they have all these things in Europe that we don't have over in the United States. We have to try them over here. And then plus you're meeting new people all the time. So that was a very big part of my like socializing. And so I had very much the same kind of feeling you did of like, I'm going to be the odd one out. I'm going to be the one that's not going to be able to have fun. I'm going to be left out of everything. I'm not even going to be able to go. What am I going to do? Go to Europe and sit in my room because I can't participate. Like literally that was the story I had been telling myself and I believed it just like I believe the sky is blue kind of thing. So if I'm believing all of that, then of course, when it comes time to go and go over there and I've made this big plan, of course, I'm not going to follow through because oh, that's the belief yeah. I have about what it's actually going to be like. But let me ask, like, yeah. as you were doing your research and stuff, because I don't really know the whole part of your story. Were you in one of the 30 day experiments where you weren't drinking and learning it all? Or were you learning it while still drinking and then just gradually letting go? Like, what was that like? I, um, well, it's a little bit of both, actually. I, I think that I'm, I, I was in one of the very first um, video programs that Annie Grace put out. I'm pretty, sh I'm, I'm almost positive that, that I was. So I was doing that very quietly on my own. Was I still drinking at that time? Yes but I was learning the material and then I went in everything I was doing. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, chat. I'm, I'm not a big social media chatter and that sort of thing. So I, I did do a 30 day alcohol experiment on my own and I was, I was successful and then I dropped it, you know, for a while and, and just went back to being me and doing what I do. And then probably by that spring, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this isn't good so so it was like it was an ebb and flow of just dipping my toe in the learning about about what this was reading the book etc and then as I just got more and more drawn and drawn and drawn but the thing that did it for me was being um I was I was in Mexico with our family and you know we had been you know out for an evening's event or whatever and I took a fall and and it was just like I just didn't um I didn't do things like that you know I didn't I, I didn't never um, embarrass myself in that way but this this particular night I did and it was bad and um I just thought to myself afterwards I thought I just I have to, I, when I get home, I have to really dig back into this material. And I did. And that was in 
February or something, and I basically stopped drinking on my own. Then I got really into the program. I did the I did a number of different different programs there and different reading, and that's what was changing me. And so, yeah. So you were able though to take off, let go of the shame part, still do the oh, research, yeah. and so it was really the key was opening up to letting go of the shame. Well. While you were like uh, actively, sometimes you drink, sometimes you didn't drink. And so it wasn't necessarily the like, okay, I'm going to do no alcohol while I learned learn this. It was more, all right, I'm going to commit to letting go of the shame and focus on the learning of what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. And then you, exactly. it was a gradual process yeah. of eventually letting it go. Okay, exactly. that's kind of yeah. like, that's exactly what happened for me too, but I didn't know if, because sometimes people will go ahead and do a 30 day or whatever a number of days commitment of no alcohol while they're doing the research and others mm -hmm. will focus on, they'll commit to letting go of at least shaming themselves, even though that comes and goes too, right? Because our brain is so, that's, because I also believe that's a habit, like that's a habit that we get into of thinking that if I didn't do it right, then I failed instead. Of, and what I like to focus on is, okay, this is really a learning and growing, not a failing and a right and a wrong. Like, oh, okay, this happened. What can I learn from it? Now, and how can I learn and keep going? Yeah, and exactly. Like kind of thing. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, and so, so I wanted to just clarify that because sometimes people do do with like in white knuckle, you know, not really white knuckle, but kind of use more willpower for a 30 day period and then keep going with it. And others, because I really believe it's for me, that's what worked too, is I let go of trying to stop. And I yeah. started focusing on what was it I wanted the alcohol to do. Mm -hmm. And so that was like exactly. my like, because when I kept trying to focus on the stop, I kept staying in the shame of why can't I stop? But when I mm -hmm. put the focus on yeah. what am I wanting from this and then discovering even more about like what was it really doing in the brain and that kind of stuff too, then it was when I was able to ease out of it, kind of like more with flow and ease and grace, even though there's up and downs, as opposed mm -hmm. to like, I don't know, the, the push and pull of willpower, I guess. That's kind of what I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think that, you know, our stories are similar in that, like, a lot of um, uh, research and reading and, and all, like, I was absorbing all of the material and going and really sitting back and thinking, okay, this, this is really not good for me. And, and the episode in Mexico was just the kicker. It was just like, okay, like, now you really know this, like, this is not, yeah, it's it's time to really to to do something and 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 quit and it and it was it was easy to do at that point because it was there was I knew I knew so much more by then about what mm -hmm. was going on in my brain and it what you're right I wasn't shaming myself I was just sitting back thinking this is this substance is just I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. And, um, and I was enjoying so much more um, it, realizing how good I was feeling. You know, I was, when I wasn't drinking, I was sleeping well and I was just feeling physically so much 
better all the way around. Yeah. Oh. So it was the part of, I don't know, I like to call it, well, you know, I'm flight attendant, so I do that, put your own oxygen mask on first thing too. But I also like to touch, so it was more like becoming your own uh, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, like your own scientist. So it was during that journey and doing yeah. it more like that is what allowed you to like, yeah, basically flow out of it as opposed yeah. to. I, I had to see, I had to see and understand what it was doing to me. That was the journey I started on. Right. I, I wanted to know what is this, why am I reacting this way to, to this substance? What, what is it that's different? Why is it that everyone around me seems to think that they're just fine with it and I'm, I'm not. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yes, but I well, just we learned are. that, you know, perhaps we're all the same, but anyway. Right. I actually think we are. I mean, really, I think that's what has happened. Like we think our friends because they're not talking about it either. Like there, and no, so what happens don't. when you decide to be the one to talk about it, then is when, and it's still, even in my situation, because it's been five years, and some of those same friends, every once in a while, they will say, well, what was, could you tell me a little bit more about that? They don't really, like, some are still very actively, you know, but they were, they're, you know, where others were like, oh my God. I'm so glad somebody else did so. What did you actually do? I need you to help me do it. Like, you know, yeah. so they're still, yeah. so people are, which I think this is part of why I also do the podcast, right? It's because it's the person like you and I, because I was the same way. I would be like, I would pass out literally. It wasn't that I was sleeping. I was passing out from the amount I had. And then when the effect of that was over, I'd be wide awake at three, four o'clock in the morning. That's when... I had all this conversation with myself in my head in the yeah. middle of the night. And so that's, uh, but, and I wasn't actively then at myself, like a podcast person, right? Where now, if I can't sleep for some reason, I do, I'm like, okay, what's going on? There's something I'm thinking about. Something is stirring up in my head. My brain is believing something that isn't actually true. I'm telling myself some story. And if I literally can't sleep, instead of trying to lay there and fight sleep, then I will actually literally go and search for a podcast of like, mm -hmm. okay, my brain, brain, which one should I listen to? And I literally let my intuition sort of guide me to that. And so that's another part of why I like to do the podcast is it's because it's for that person, right? Yeah. That is in that hour, like they might not tell anybody and they might not talk about it on social media, but the podcast, it's kind of like nobody really knows what you're actually listening to unless they get your phone and look at the ones you subscribe to, right? But so it's really where you can still get the help you need. You're not talking about it on social media. You're still kind of getting help. And so that's why I really love that you're willing to come on and share your story so other people can yeah. hear too. Okay, yeah. it's possible. Not just because oh, Debbie said possible. so, it's possible because somebody <laughs> else is doing it too. So, yeah, how, it's so now possible. as you're moving into, because I know you just recently retired, right? Did you retire from what you were doing? I did, doing yeah. the gospel, Right. So tell people how, and they can actually get a hold of you and how, what you, how you're actually helping, what you're actually doing. Well, I, I, um, I, how I actually help people is I, I am, uh, as I say, I do, I do life coaching and I do alcohol-free coaching. So 
and I, I often will blend both in, in that we'll look at, um, you know, taking alcohol out of the equation and how we go about doing that. So, you know, using, using a number of tools and tactics and programs to do that. And then I blend in life coaching work along with it. So looking at the future self, what are we doing? Okay, now we've got that behind us. Where are we going to next? And so, so there's a, there's a number of different things I'll do with people. I, I individualize it. I do a lot of, you know, mainly one-on-one coaching and some small group. And I, I love, um, I love working with women that are, you know, in and around my age group, uh, 50 to <laughs> 65 to 70. I, but I've coached younger women as well. Uh, it, it really, the age isn't the thing. It's just, it's just where are you at in your mind and what are you curious about? What is it that you want to do, you know, for yourself in your own life? And how do you want to drop the shame of, of, of that three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning and, and that feeling? Uh, what would it be like to not have that? in your life anymore so yeah. that's what i do i can be reached at uh, my website is uh is lorna com, and yeah i'm i'm reachable so, for a, a free disco- rediscovery call anytime so it's lorna wilson i'm typing it in my notes as i'm like so i can make sure i can put it lorna wilson.com <laughs> right no lord no lorna wilson coaching Ah, coaching. Okay, hold on. Coaching.com. Okay, so I'll make sure I put that in the show notes uh, so if people can, when they come look at that episode and they can get the show notes. But, um, well, because I, I too, just like you with the life coaching part, I honestly believe that's a vital part of it because it really is our thoughts about our life that's actually causing us to have this habit of using alcohol to de-stress from it. Right. I mean, I really think that's a big part of it. Right. And yeah, so yeah. I honestly believe it needs a combination of the life coaching, but then also the understanding of the science behind what is happening from the alcohol, as well as the thought work and the, you know, like the stuff that goes on with the brain, that kind of stuff. And so I really believe, you know, that combining the two is where people are going to be able to make, have the, uh, quickest, fastest ease from the, from the life that what that life. And what I mean by drinking life is really that drinking over drinking shame and regret cycle that we find ourselves in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It, well, just that, like you say, I find that, that the people that I work with, we've all got dreams. We've all got, you know, um, aspirations to, to, to do things. And, alcohol will you know yeah that becomes the subject for the moment in your life but once you're past that then okay well now what now what can I do you know yeah and right, that is so fun you know like it's yeah so great and because I think of the awesome stories well and I also think it's because we don't realize because like in my situation because I too was like I was 59 when I let it go right but all up in, like from start and I started like noticing I was consuming more and more around my mid forties. And so it was like a 10 year time span of, but, you know, noticing it first and then mm-hmm. trying to do something about it and on it. So like a really the 10 year time span of, of where that was a big part of my life. And all during that time too, though, I honestly thought the things that were happening to me was because of aging. Right. So I thought I was more tired. I didn't pick up on that. It could possibly be alcohol. Right. I was like, Oh, oh yeah. okay. No, I'm oh, no, aging. It's menopause. 
yeah, it was menopause. And then it's like, oh, okay, now I'm in my 50s. So this must be what happens when you're 50. And so like the, the lack of energy, the memory, like the memory kind of thing happening, and then the aches and pains in the body. And then, then also even the lack of drive of like just being in life that, okay, life is just, just okay. Like, right. Like, and kind of in almost in that getting myself realizing like, is this it? Yeah. Like, you're an autopilot. All there is? Right. And so I honestly was tying myself, all of that to aging. Yeah. And I can tell you it had absolutely nothing to do with aging because I'm five, it's been five years now. And I'm, so I'm five years older and I have more energy. I'm doing my own coaching business. Um, I can still keep up with my, with my five grandkids and the oldest one is nine and the youngest one is three. Like, right. So it is not aging that is happening. (laughs) Like it's not. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a miracle. Yeah, it is. It really does feel like a miracle. I'm so glad you came on today. I really, really appreciate your story and your insight. And it has been so much fun. Thank you so very much for being here today. I want you to know that I have been exactly where you are right now. Stuck, feeling trapped in this drinking life, worried I would never be able to find my way out. I am here to tell you it is 100% possible. If I can do this, you can do this. If you want to take what you've been learning here on the podcast to the next level, head over to jumpseatcoaching.com because I have created a variety of resources for you over there.